Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adiumi, and I'm going through the book of James this time in the teaching series that we have been doing going through the Bible. So I pray that the Lord will give you understanding. The book of James, James that wrote this book is uh, everybody believe is the the direct son or son of uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary and Joseph, the mother of Jesus and the father, the mother and father of James. We know the Lord Jesus Christ was born out of the, from the womb of Mary, but Joseph was not his father. But now James, this that's how he introduced himself from verse one. You look at it, he said, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered about abroad Britain. So we believe this James is the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, according through through Mary. Not the James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and not the other James. That's how everybody believed that. So James, who almost who became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, he also became an apostle because the crowd called him an apostle. You will see that in the book of J, in the book of uh, Acts of the Apostles, when the when Paul and Barnabas went back to Jerusalem about the circumcision discussion or the, the question. They were talking about the James, who was the brother of Jesus. That was where they were all now gathering. You can know how human beings normally are, even though when the Lord Jesus Christ was preaching about James and all his brothers, they didn't really believe. They just stood at a distance watching. You see that in the book of the Gospel of John, where there was a time they were telling the Lord Jesus Christ, Why don't you go to Jerusalem? This feast that is coming. Everybody will see you and know that you are you are doing this miracle. If you are really doing these things, and that was how it was reported. If you are really doing this thing, make yourself known to the world. I mean, which means you are Apostle John who wrote that book said his, his brain also did not believe these things. And he told them, You go to Jerusalem, I'm not going yet to this feast. You will see that in the Gospel of John chapter. That is the James, the brother of John. But after he was resurrected, all of them. Mary, mother of Jesus, and all his siblings, they all came around and became part of the disciples. And that was how, the, you know, just like everybody, after some time, they begin to gravitate. The believer begin to gravitate towards James because maybe he has a similarity to, facial similarity to the Lord Jesus Christ in the physical flesh. So they were now gravitating towards him to the point that Apostle Peter, who was who started, became like sidelined. We are reading this between the lines. It's just reading between the lines of what was happening in the Acts of the Apostles. That was how we say it looked like Apostle Peter after some 
years was sidelined and uh, James became like the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And I'm trying to read John chapter 7, first of all, to tell you the background I'm describing. In John, Gospel of John chapter 7, beginning from verse 1 to 5, five let me just read verse 1 to 5. After this thing, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he will not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren, when you say his brethren, he's talking about the children of Mary and Joseph. Of course, Joseph was dead by that time, we believe. So it was Mary that was modern. But because Jesus Christ was the first born in that household, they seem to, seem to follow wherever Jesus Christ was living. And in the end, he said he came back to Galilee around this time. But they, according to verse 3, he said, His brethren therefore said unto him, These are the brethren, the children of Mary and Joseph. Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples, you see, they say thy disciples, which means they were not one of the disciples. Thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, see, they put if means that they themselves are doubting, show thyself to the world. And Apostle John put this in verse 5, say, For neither did his brethren believe in him. You see that? So these are the brethren that finally came around because of course people did not believe for a while and then somehow their eyes were open after Jesus Christ resurrected. Now their eyes were open. So this God will be God mighty indeed living among us. But Jesus Christ said of them verse 6, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me is hated because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up into this feast, I go not up yet unto this feast. For my time is not yet full come. So when he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Now that was James, the brother of Jesus, with the with his disciples that were called the brethren of Jesus in that story. So at the beginning they didn't believe him. They were also doubting, just like all the Jews that uh, that were hearing from the Pharisees. Okay, the Pharisees are influential people in the society and the chief priests, they will be pressuring these people that this is your son, this is your brother, is this, is that. And that was why they themselves were doubting. But they were encouraging him to go and show yourself in the feast. If everybody believes you, we believe too, <laughs> that kind of thing. If everybody can follow you, I will follow too. You see, but that is, that is how I thought they were thinking. But after Jesus Christ resurrected, and showed himself openly to we believe to them also. Then they they was they was confirmed this must be God living among us. But that has never been recorded that a woman being resurrected by himself. And then we believe they may be around when Jesus Christ went up into the sky. Before them all about this about one twenty people were there when Jesus Christ went up into the sky. He led them all to to the Mount of Olives and then he went up into the sky. So that is James for you. Now, let's go back to the book of James. That's why I'm trying to describe who was this James that wrote this book. It was James, the brother of Jesus, that wrote that book. And I said the, the, the believers started gravitating towards him after many years that Peter, Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter, was no more noticeably the, the leader 
of the of the of the of the church after after many after many years of course because by the time apostle paul and Barnabas came with this discussion this question about they were discussing about circumcision because some people some of the believers came from jerusalem that uh, tried to push the law of moses upon the believers and they started trying to teach the, the bread and everywhere that they have to still keep the law of Moses. They have to come and be circumcised. All the same Gentiles, they must be circumcised. And that was going on. And when they came, confrontation with Paul and Barnabas, who have gone to the Gentiles to preach the gospel, according to the Lord, to send them to the Gentiles, they have confrontation. And then they said, Let's go to Jerusalem and discuss this thing. And when they went there to discuss this thing, the, the Bible said they were gathered around and Apostle uh, James, who was this James, the brother of Jesus, was the leader. And he was the one that gave the final edict. So that's why I say, and when you see what Apostle Peter spoke during that discussion, he, he, that from that, from what he spoke, make us to see that he has been kind of sidelined. Because he said, brother, remember several years ago, the Lord made a difference between us. So when you say the Lord made a difference between us, he was saying that uh, God was selecting that he should be the one to, to open the door to the Gentiles. But now it looked like, by the time he was talking, it looked like people are no more, no more listening or, or paying more attention to him. They are paying more attention to James, the brother of Jesus, which is just human nature. And that was how he's, I read between the last that may have been what he was going on. You see that in chapter 15. Let's read quickly what it says in verse 1, chapter 15 of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 15 says, And certain men which came down from Judea touched the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small days dissension and disposition with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. So that was when they went back to Jerusalem to discuss this circumcision issue. And then the Bible said they all debated it and debated it in that chapter 15. And Apostle Peter finally rose up and said to them, and you see how Apostle Peter presented the case to them. That's verse 7 of chapter 15 of Acts of the Apostles. And when there had been much disputing, that is, there are the people on the other side, people on this side of Paul, People on that side, they were debating why this should be, these Gentiles should be circumcised. And they debated back and forth. Verse 7 said, And when they had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Now listen to what Peter said. That's how I read it. He said, Peter must have been sidelined by this time because they were all gravitating towards James, the brother of Jesus. But Peter was expected to be whom the Lord Jesus specifically selected to lead. By how many years people can gravitate to another person? And look at what he said. Peter rose up and said unto the men and brethren, Ye know how that a good while ago, you remember, a good while ago, God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now, what does that mean? God made choice among us. He was trying to remind him that God had a reason for picking him. He didn't mention himself, but he said he made a choice among us. That by my mouth, that is his own mouth, the Gentiles should hear the gospel and believe. 
So he was reminding them of something, maybe it was a prophecy that came among them that made them to know that Apostle Peter and God chose. Or uh, something happened that he was saying, well, you go a while ago, remember, you go a while ago. God made a choice among us. And then he went and said, And God which knoweth the house, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they. But said, Then all the multitude kept silence. So, Apostle Peter more or less told them, don't your everybody's debating as if everybody knows better than everybody. They say God made a choice among us that it should be me that should be opening it up. And he when he said that everybody kept quiet. Now, verse 12 said, Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Apollabas and Paul. Verse 13 now said, after they had held their peace, James answered. So James that answered in verse 13 there is the believe the brother of Jesus, who finally gave the final edict, and they all agreed. So he became like the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Now, in, let's go down to the book of James. That's just introducing who, who this James was that wrote the book of James. And you see that his method of writing is still lining to just quoting the Old Testament material to us and words of the book of like the book of the Proverbs. Most of the things you see in this book of James are some of the things you that are echoed from the Proverbs of Solomon, because actually that was mostly what many of them are in those days anyway. So he was echoing the wisdom of God from the Proverbs of Solomon and using it to teach, to present it to the believers. So let's go ahead and read the book of James. James, from verse 1, follow me slowly as we go through it and I will pause and try to give some explanation and what we can gather from this exhortation. James is servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad greeting. Now he say he was writing to the twelve tribes. Oh, he was actually writing to the Israelites. That's why I introduced it. He said into the twelve tribes. We know that the twelve tribes of Israel are the, are the sons of Jacob. Now when he said to he was writing to them, he being a Jew or what you say, yeah, it was many of them didn't classify them as themselves as Jews because they were not from Judea. But many of them believe that because we only the Jews are known, but all the other tribes are just mixed around everywhere that are gone away before when the Jews went to Babylon, they have gone way away before Babylon. But many of the people just sneak back in and join the Jews and they have filled the whole of place of Galilee and every other place they are the other tribes members, but not all, the others are scattered everywhere. So he was writing this to the 12 tribes, whereby everybody that claimed to be an Israelite. So we can assume, assume he's writing to all of us also that were adopted into the as, as Israel. We are the Israel of God, that is, we that are Gentiles, that are born again, we are now the seed of Christ, we are part of the commonwealth of Israel, as Apostle Paul called it. So we can assume everything is writing to us also. To the 12 tribes scattered abroad, it's a greeting. Now it's starting from verse 2, it's exhortation. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now you call it temptations, and you call it the trying of our faith. 
Now we have to make sure we distinguish between what people classify as temptation to sin or just trials of life. Because even the trials of life that may not say commit adultery temptation, commit to steal temptation, if it's just a trial of life, it's also a form of temptation to sin. Take for example, you have no money, you have been struggling to pay your debt and you are trying to get a job, you couldn't get a job, that we will call out trials of life. There was no job anywhere, that's trials of life, not so. But it's the same thing that can make people want to steal, not so. So it becomes temptation to sin, not so. So that is why you say, we call it temptation, it's a diverse form of temptation, not just to steal, even temptation to curse, because somebody has been doing this to your household, that is becoming trials of life. You don't know whoever is doing this to us. Whatever is causing this thing, you almost begin to cause the person who did it or thinking it's the person that did it not, not the devil. So it is all those trials of life can are, be, are also part of temptations. It's a broad name. Temptation is a broad name for anything that is going to make you sin against God. Sin does not have to be. Because everybody think of temptation, they think of oh, lust of the flesh. We are looking at another woman. That is also a temptation, but that is that is that may not be caused by trial. But it's being, if you have your own wife and your own husband, you will be looking at that person. So that maybe the trial of life and maybe to, to be looking at the other person. Why? Because you should have had the other, maybe you couldn't get, or you and you and things like that can make you to be to be the, the trial of life can make you be tempted to do some of those evil things. But what we are saying is every trial of life. Is a step, is a, is a, is a setup for temptation to sin against God. The sin can be of any kind of sin. Even pride is a sin. Also, so trial of life can make somebody to be open up for any form of temptation. That's why Apostle James was saying here, count it all joy when you fall into die. But why did he say you count it all joy? But still, he tells us why he says you can't all joy. He said that knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So. You know that your faith is being tried, but don't don't yield to that temptation. That's when you should be happy. You are tried like Jesus Christ was tried. But say he was said the Lord Jesus was tempted in many occasions, but he did not sin. No, so you are, can be tempted. Well, you have no money. You are looking for a job and everything, and there's somebody who, who who drop his money and you say take it, steal it, and you say no. When you, you resist that, you are overcoming the temptation. God will work out your own for you. So that is why he said, you count it all joy because God is watching all of those, your movement of resisting temptation. Uh, God is going to pay you and reward you mightily. That's why he said, you count it all joy when you fall into this diverse temptation. Knowing that this trying of your faith you will work patience in you. Patience to keep waiting for God. But verse 4 now says, but let patience have a perfect work that ye may be perfect and Complete is what entire I mean, and entire that is complete. Wanting nothing, God wants us to be complete in holiness, complete in righteousness, that we come to the fullness of the statue of Christ. So he said that patience, the trial of your faith, we walk patience. You let's say you are even the trial can be sickness and affliction that you are going through, and you keep believing God. Maybe doctors have tried their best, you are but you are believing God. That is patiently waiting for God that God has said you are healed. You are patiently waiting for that manifestation. He only healed you. That manifestation of that miracle is what you are waiting for to see. Not so. And keep confessing it. That is the 
counting it joy that you are uh, you are resisting the temptation to say God is not answering prayer anymore. That's it. That's the temptation to sin. But you know, God has our prayer. God has already done it. But when you continue to wait, patiently wait for Him, you patiently look unto Him and said, uh, "That does not mean you shouldn't take medicine." Yeah, doctors have tried their best many places and they will give up. There's nothing the medical work can do for some people. You see, sometimes people medicine could also that cannot do anything anymore. But if you are believing God, trusting God, and you claim your promise of the word of God that He has already healed us by His right before He it is done thee. It is now my faith to express it, confirm it, confess it, and all firm until it manifests. Resisting the devil, telling the devil that Jesus has already healed me two thousand years ago, it is finished on the cross. That is my confession of faith. But that faith, that trial that is making me to confess it over and over again like that, is tempting, causing, is trying to set up a temptation for me to say God doesn't answer prayer anymore. Not so. Temptation for me to say God is dead. Not so. But God is not dead. God answer prayer. I continue to patiently wait until that my healing is manifested. That is what you can say is trying to talk about it when you say it is diverse temptations. But you are counting it all joy that we are going to hold firm to our confession. And that is working patience in us. Let that patience have a perfect work. Let it complete its work. That we may be complete. Perfect and complete. Wanting nothing. Now verse 5 of James chapter 1. If any of you lack wisdom. It's not you're going to something else now. I say we're talking about wisdom. Let him ask of God. That give it to all. To all men liberally and upbraided not, and it shall be given him. Now, from verse 5, it's another, another theme. It's talking about wisdom rather than the other. We're talking about temptation. Now, he's saying, God will give you wisdom, but ask. But now, in verse 6, he said, But ask in faith. Now, he's going to talk about when you ask anything from God, there is need for you to exercise faith. That's what he's saying in verse 6 now. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed up and down. You see? He that wavereth. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. That is, any man that wavereth. Don't think you are going to receive anything. What does wavering really mean? You say you are like a wave of the sea that goes up and down. Say, I believe God is going to do it. Then tomorrow you say, well, I don't know whether God is hearing me. That's wavering. He heard it the first time. You just to keep believing that he has heard you, keep confessing that he is big, he has, he has, he has, he has heard you and it is done. You have to say it is done. Anything you ask for. And when you say it is done, begin to thank him now. Just be thanking him. Thank you, Jesus, for you have given me what I asked for. Thank you, Jesus, for you have heard my prayer. You now begin to thank him until it manifests. Don't go back and say, well, maybe he didn't hear. Let me start all over again. No, you are starting all over again. It's like when you, when you plant a seed in the ground. And two days later, the seed has not germinated. You went and dug it out to see whether it's germinating. You just stop the process. You just stop the process. You have to believe and keep watering it. And the watering the ground for that seed to germinate is the thanking you, Jesus, for you have heard it. You heard me when I prayed last week. Thank you, Jesus, you heard me when I prayed last week, two, two weeks ago. I believe I received. I believe I received it. He's listening. You are confessing your faith. Don't let the devil waver you and think, make you think where well, he has not had you or you have to start all over again. Don't start all over again. Don't stop the process. So that is where faith must be exercised. Confess that you have received. That's what Jesus Christ said in Mark chapter 11 verse 24. Mark chapter 11. That's the exercising of our faith. Let me read Mark chapter 11 verse 24. 
so that you can see how the Lord presented faith to us. How do we exercise our faith? Here it is. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 is what I will read. Jesus Christ said, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Listen to that. What things ever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So that which means if I pray, I desire something, I pray to the Father and say, Father, I want you to give me this thing. Then I have to say, I, I know he's listening and I thank him. I have to not thank him that he say, I should believe he, I receive them. Not that I will. See, believe I have received them. Say, give it to me. Say, take it. So I believe I have received them. There's no manifest in the visible yet. You receive it first in the spirit. You receive things, everything from God first in the spirit. So once you say it, and you know you have it because you are in Christ, you receive them. You say, you say that's what Christ said. Believe that you receive them, not that you will receive them. Believe you receive them. Because once you say it, you say, I'll say here it is. Now you receive them. Now begin to thank him. If you know you receive them. You say, and you shall have them. When you say, when you, say you shall have them. Believe you receive them and you shall have them. Think about that. You shall have them, and this last part is saying it will manifest into visibility because you need this to show up in the physical world, not so. But you have asked the father in the spirit, and the father has said you have received it because he has given it to you right there, and you receive them in the spirit. Then you shall have them there. It's not the, it's not that you have them in the spirit, you already have them in the spirit because you say you believe you receive them. Then thou begins to thank him to for it to manifest to the physical world begin to thank him that's why and you shall have them so that is what the lord taught us about how to exercise our faith believe you receive them once you have asked the father believe you have you receive them right there you receive them right there that's already given to you and you shall have them means it will manifest but don't change your mind and say you have not received them that is unbelief. that's where doubt comes in that's where unbelief is manifested when you stop believing you have received them Okay, so that's how Apostle James was explaining to us when he said, Don't be a wavering. Wavering means you say, I believe I received them. Tomorrow you change your mind, you come back and say, Father, you didn't give it to me. He said, He gave it to you when you prayed yesterday. Jesus Christ said, Believe you received them. So don't ever go back and think or say, You repraying that prayer is saying that you, you didn't receive it. But you say, You should believe you received them. Then begin to thank Him that it will manifest. You have already received them. It will manifest because you are not thanking him that you have received it. So Apostle James said, don't waver. So let not that man think that you waver. Let not that think if you receive anything from God that you will manifest if you keep wavering up and down. Verse 8 of James chapter 1. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So that's what he mean by double-minded. Double-minded means you say yes, now you say no. Say yes, and then you say no. Or to the same thing. So that is a double-minded person. Then you are unstable. Now it's going to change here again, verse 9. Now let the brother of low degree rejoice in what that in that he is exalted. Now it's going to teach us humility. Let's continue. Verse 9. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Who is the brother of low degree? People that were not educated, perhaps, or they don't have any big job of uh, that's probably money they will be poor but they believe in christ or a brother that is a uh, low degree perhaps is not one of those uh, professors or doctors or 
because that that alone is uh, putting the, in a good position also, and they are not in. Uh, And they are not in uh, what you call in another uh, politician. They are not politicians. Those are people that, that are not well known. They are barely making it financially in life. We are product of low degree. See, but when you have Christ, you are exalted because now you have a father that you can talk to that can supply your needs according to his riches in Lord. So you are exalted. Formerly, you are of low degree, but believing Christ and walking in faith with Christ, you have to claim that you have to believe that you are now exalted. Trust God that He's going to provide things for you. A brother of glory, you are exalted. But now He's warning those who are rich in verse 10. But the rich, in you also you'll be careful, He said that in that He is made low. If you are rich, when you come to Christ, you have to know that you are now to be humble. So that's why He's saying that. But He said, because as the flower of the grass, it shall pass away. Now He seems to be talking against the rich people here. But if there are rich people that are in Christ Jesus, you are not to think of yourself as if He's cursing Him. Because when you look at verse 10, it looks like the riches, you are made low. He said that let a brother of low degree rejoice in that he's exalted, but the rich rejoice in that you are made low. Because if you are not made low, you will be one of those that will be passing away. Like the Bible says, that's what you do, how you read it. Because those who are rich and they are proud, they are already against God. God is going to resist the proud. So, but you have to rejoice if you are in Christ, though you are rich. Because you are already made low in your heart, so that God can continue to bless you as you bless other people with your with your riches. And I'm going to continue this in the next broadcast. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Well, we will continue this message in the next broadcast. The Bible said, Precept shall be upon precept, line upon line. A little there, a little there. And I pray that you will not miss the next broadcast so that you can build upon that which you have just learned today. The Bible said, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In, in other words, we can say, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. It's not just a one-time shot. You must keep hearing the Word so that your faith can be built up. We shall continue this message in the next broadcast. Don't miss the next broadcast. God bless you.